Good evening and welcome to our 2020 St. Pius X Lenten Mission. Uh, we're here this evening with Father Bryce Sibley from Our Lady of Wisdom Church here in Lafayette. And as we begin this mission, I know he's going to have a hard time, as I have had a hard time in the sense of adjusting to being in an empty church. Uh, but the substance of what he has to say, I think, is very appropriate uh, to our community. Uh, that is, we are focusing this Lent on prayer, and as you all know, uh, we have been practicing quiet in the church, and I never thought it would get this quiet in our church um, over Lent, but practicing quiet, slowing down, listening to God uh, instead of speaking to Him, uh, to hear Him, to be directed by Him, to, to maybe be in His presence instead of trying uh, to do too much in the sense of losing track of, of His presence in our lives. And so, Father Sibley is the pastor of Our Lady of Wisdom. He's been there for 10 years. Prior to that, he has been pastor in Parks and in Mamu. Uh, he was educated uh, at St. Ben Seminary as well as at the Pontifical North American College in Rome. Uh, and he also earned an, a license, an STL, uh, in moral theology, which is equivalent, roughly equivalent to a master's degree. So we're very blessed to have him. You all probably know him better than you know me since he's been in the Lafayette area for more than 10 years. And we're very blessed to have him this evening uh, to give his mission, his mission on prayer, uh, the hope that we are able to strengthen our relationship with God in the daily lives that we lead. So for all, please welcome Father Sibley. So it's great to be with everyone here online, obviously not anyone here in church because I'm speaking to the big empty cavernous church. I do want to thank Father Brady for inviting me to be here. I'm going to do my best to look at the camera today. And so we are going to begin by praying. In the name of the Father, and the Son, of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, as we begin this Linton mission, this virtual mission, I ask you to inspire me to speak words of wisdom on the gift of prayer, the knowledge of God's love for us. Inspire all of those who are listening that they may grow to a deeper awareness of your love for them and a great desire to enter into the mystery of prayer. We ask the intercession of Our Lady, in particular to guide this entire mission, to lead it to completion and to repair our minds and hearts to celebrate the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We ask this and we ask all things through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so like I said a few minutes ago, uh, I am here in big, beautiful, pious, the 10th Catholic Church, and I am literally the only one here. So my original intention before we had this pandemic was to give sort of a very structured Lenten mission three nights all on the topic of prayer. About four or five years ago, I'd actually done a Lenten mission on prayer at Father Brady's church when he was in Opelousas, and so he asked me to be able to come back. And so I'm generally doing the same thing, kind of the same topic, but instead of sort of going down a very formal list and giving all different types of quotes, as I would maybe if I could engage an audience here and since I can't see you, and you can see me, even though I'm probably pretty small in the way the camera is arranged, I instead am going to do something a little different, something which I don't normally do, particularly for a talk uh, that would be as long as this one. I'm going to give it Father Michael Champagne style. 
like Father Sean Pine, I'm just going to start talking. We're going to see where the Holy Spirit leads. I'm going to hopefully have some signposts along the way, but hopefully you will still be with me at the end of this talk today after my invitation to Father Champagne, and hopefully it lasts throughout the whole entire week together. And you could be watching Survivor or some other stuff, but if you can survive through this mission, you know the Lord is going to bless you abundantly. So Father asked that we do a mission on prayer, on the gift of prayer. And Lent, of course, is a great time for us to reflect on and to grow deeper in our prayer life, encountering Jesus, coming to know the love of the Father, and living in the Holy Spirit. But it becomes even more important during this time of quarantine, of social distancing. Very, very eerie, walking around, like some sort of abandonment of everyone in the public square, people at their homes being together, doing sort of stuff that we don't normally do. We're so busy in our lives, but connecting with each other, using technology to speak to one another. I'm over at Our Lady of Wisdom and I work with college students, and the student center is closed, but I'm still able to do Bible studies and individual spiritual direction via Zoom and FaceTime. And so we have a lot of time to do stuff that we don't normally do. People are gardening. People are making a lot of bread. They're doing puzzles. I read an article today that puzzles are selling more than they ever have before. We're getting into sort of simple things that we can do around the house. Of course, eating together and spending more time together. We have a lot of time, which means we as Catholics ought to have a lot of time to pray to spend some dedicated time each day to encountering the Lord in prayer and going deeper in our own prayer lives. And that's the encouragement, not just because it's Lent, because we have so much time now. Yes, you could binge watch some sort of a program on Netflix. You could sit and look at all of the different videos on Facebook. Every priest is a televangelist now. Of course, I guess I'm kind of a televangelist too, sitting here talking like this and hopefully having a message that speaks to minds and hearts. But we want to talk today not just about the importance of prayer, but we want to get to the essence of what prayer really is. And that's the topic for tonight, the essence of prayer. What is prayer in its most basic form? So if I would go to any sort of Catholic or Christian and say, can you give me a definition of prayer? What is prayer to you? I could bet that you would hear all sorts of different things. And over my life, I've heard a lot of different answers to this. Probably the most common one is conversation or talking to God. And there's nothing wrong with this definition. Indeed, we do converse with the Lord. We bring him our petitions. But the truth is, so very few of us have ever actually heard God speak back to us. If I had a friend of mine right here and we were talking, we were having a conversation, even if we were on the phone. But the reality is most of us do not hear God's voice. We say we hear God's voice, but how can we know it's really the Lord speaking to us? It's not necessarily an audible voice in our ear. We get these inspirations, these movements of the Spirit. 
The truth is, for most of us, prayer is more like a monologue. We're saying all kinds of stuff, and quite often we feel that the Lord's not listening, or if He is, He's not responding, and prayer can become very frustrating, particularly when all these other people keep telling us, oh, the Lord said this to me in prayer, the Lord said that to me in prayer. Not that they're lying to us, but are they really hearing the Lord speak to them audibly? Probably not, probably not but it can make us feel like we're really not doing the right thing. So I don't really love that definition of prayer. Now, you ask other people, what is prayer? Well, they'll say, Father. That's pretty easy. Prayer is saying the rosary, reading scripture, doing novenas, making intercessions. This is also very true. It is indeed the prayer life of a lot of people. And I don't mean to disparage this at all. The devotional life, novenas and rosaries and chaplets, they're all very important. But quite often, what people are doing when they're doing that is not so much praying, but saying prayers. Well, I got to go say my prayers, Father, before I go to bed. And as we're reciting a bunch of stuff, which can be very, very good, but is actually praying from a deeper level, is it really conversing with the Lord? Are we just sort of getting our little checklist done? I've done all the prayers that I need to do. Has there really been an encounter with the Lord, a movement of the Holy Spirit? Quite often, no. It's just something very service. Now, listen, I don't want people who are praying their coronavirus novena to get mad at me and put all kinds of nasty comments in uh, the comment box on this Facebook post. But we want to look at what the essence of prayer is, and the essence of prayer is something much more than the formal recitation of prayers. Now, you could say, well, Father, prayer then is, is the rule of deep prayer is meditation. It's taking a scripture passage and inserting ourselves into it, or reflecting on some deep truth of the faith. And this is, again, very true and very real. It's something that we can see in the Ignatian form of meditation, encountering Christ in Scripture. And these things are great. But what happens is, is quite often we can see that prayer then becomes something that happens in our head. We're thinking about things. We're coming to understand different truths of the faith, new insights about Scripture, which are all very, very valid. But the truth is, as St. Teresa of Avila says, that prayer is not so much thinking much, but loving much. We can get so trapped in our heads that we never let the Spirit touch our hearts. We never go deeper to the core of what prayer really is. Now, I'm going to go on and on and give other definitions of prayer. But what I want to do is propose one that I think is at the heart of what prayer is. More than anything else, it sort of describes what I think prayer in its very essence is. I'm going to give this definition and then try to spend the rest of our time together explaining what this definition means and why it is so important for us. Prayer, at its essence, at its core, is letting ourselves be loved by God. Prayer, its very, very basic form, is letting ourselves be loved by God. This has to be the foundation, the essence of allowing the Lord to love us in that time set aside for prayer. 
everything else, whether it be meditation, whether it be the recitation of prayers, whether it be conversing with God, has to be built on top of that. And I think this is the real struggle or the real issue, is that so many people don't know prayer. Is this allowing themselves to be loved by God in this radical and real way? And so all these other things that are supposed to be built on top of what is essential are there but eventually fall away. The Lord listens, but it doesn't allow us to really be able to have roots in something deeper. Prayer is at its essence, letting ourselves be loved by God. And so what I'm going to do is take some time to sort of pick this apart this definition. And I think there are three elements to this that we can see telling us about what prayer is, but what is important about it is it counters certain tendencies that we tend to have in regards to our own approach to prayer, regardless of how we define it, but how we sort of live out our prayer life. Something that is rooted, I think, in particular in our contemporary Western lifestyle, but one that we're sort of being forced to reckon with, that we are challenged to really reevaluate, as we'll see particularly during this time of the coronavirus pandemic, when so many of us are reduced to not being out there, doing all kinds of work, taking things off of our checklist, achieving and trying to control the world around us, but instead being at home and learning to be with our family, our friends, and most importantly, with the Lord. And so let's look at this definition. Prayer is letting yourself or letting ourselves be loved by God. Prayer, if according to this definition, is then not about anything that we do, not about achieving something, not about saying this prayer, not about working towards a certain type of goal, but simply about being with the Lord, being with the Lord and allowing him to love us. We live in a culture that is so focused on being active, on activity, on achieving goals, of accomplishing certain things in our life, of taking things off our checklist. And we live in this completely frenetic pace. When people ask you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm really busy. Well, how's life been? Oh, it's really, really busy. Now, of course, we're not saying that now, not at all, which gives us a time to realize that it might be very important for us to reevaluate our own lives and how busy we are, and is it really, really necessary? All of this zooming around, trying to achieve things, trying to make progress and to achieve goals and feel that we're very, very important and build up the world around us and build up our own egos, when this happens, when this virus happens, it all comes crumbling down and we're forced to just be. Because what happens is, is that attitude of having to be doing something sleeps, uh, sort of seeps into our prayer life, seeps into our spiritual life, that we've always got to be doing something. 
And so I know people who go to their holy hour and, well, they've got to be praying their rosary, they have to be journaling, they have to be reading scripture, they have to always be occupied with doing something. Impossible just to sort of sit there and to be with the Lord, to let him love them. And so we're challenged to go beyond this mentality of activity, of always having to do, of always having to achieve. Because prayer, if we're doing this, if we're always active, if we're always running around, if we're always trying to achieve something in prayer, looking towards progressing and growing in holiness, whatever that means, then we never stop enough to let the Lord act upon us, to be able to just be in his presence and let him love us. That is the fundamental problem that I think really obstructs people's prayer life and stops them from growing in holiness. Because we're not the primary actors. We're not the ones who are doing things in prayer. God is the one. Jesus is the one who is the one who's acting. And we've got to learn to sit still and let him act in us. One of the best books in prayer that I've ever read is by this Carmelite sister named Sister Ruth Burroughs. And the book is called The Essence of Prayer. The first half is really, really great. The second half is basically on Carmelite spirituality. She's a Carmelite sister. But she has so many wonderful quotes about the essence of prayer, is being with the Lord rather than doing. Listen to this one. She says, our Christian knowledge assures us that prayer is essentially what God does, how God addresses us, looks at us. It is not something we are doing to God, something we are giving to God, but what God is doing for us. And what God is doing for us is giving us the divine self in love. And so our primary fundamental attitude is learning to be there, open to what the Lord wants to give us. And it's hard for us to put aside a lot of our activity. Our brain is buzzing everywhere. We have all these things that we need to achieve. And so this time that we have now, this sort of extended retreat during the quarantine, where people are beginning to realize, wait a second, maybe I don't need, didn't need to be this busy. Maybe I could have been a little quieter in my own mind, in my own heart, with my own family. I don't need to work this much. And we can put aside doing and start learning to be with the people that we love. And most importantly, learning just to be with the Lord. To sit there and say, Lord, I'm not here to do anything. I'm here just to let you love me. So doing is more, being is more important than doing. That's the first point. But when it says that it's letting yourself be loved by God, it is God giving the love. And so our goal is then to receive the love from the Lord. And that's the second point. Prayer is more about receiving, an attitude of receptivity rather than giving. Now it's really, really wonderful that we wanna to go to prayer and we wanna give the Lord something. We wanna give him our heart and our mind and our soul and our being and all of our wealth and all of our dreams and desires and sufferings. And he's willing to take it all. But the Lord doesn't need any of that. The Lord doesn't need anything from us. 
And in fact, when we come with hands filled with things, and guess what? It becomes very difficult for us then to receive, to receive the graces he wants to give us, to receive his word, to receive his love. And we're often there with our hands so filled and the Lord wants to pour things upon us, but we're so busy giving him stuff, forcing what we want on him, when all he really wants to do is say, I want to give you my love. But it's so hard for us to be able to receive. You can ask most people, what is easier, giving a gift or receiving a gift? 99% of the people are going to say it's much easier to give. If we always sort of feel awkward whenever someone wants to give us a gift, give us a compliment, or even give us themselves, we sort of step back a little bit. We kind of freak out. It's kind of weird. Why, why do we do that? Well, it could be our own insecurity. We could feel unworthy. We'll sort of get into that a little bit later on during the course of our retreat. But we are there as creatures in that posture of receptivity. It's Mary who is the perfect example of that. Let it be done unto me according to thy will. It's God acting upon us, giving us his love and giving it to us unconditionally. Now, a lot of the times people say, well, Father, I'm there. I've got the attitude of receptivity, but I don't get anything or I don't hear anything. Well, the first point is this, that indeed you don't know. Let's say that I, if I'm God, and you are, let's say I'm not God, of course, but I'm sitting here talking to you, and you don't notice it, but I slip a $20 bill into your wallet or into your coat pocket. Well, maybe a few weeks later, you're all of a sudden going to stumble upon it and say, oh, wait, where did this $20 bill come from? You didn't see me put it there. And so when we're there with that attitude of receptivity in prayer, wanting to receive what the Lord wants to give us, particularly his love, particularly himself, he may give us some grace that we may not realize that he's even given to us. We're not going to be there to feel things necessarily, but simply to receive. And quite often the graces we do receive in prayer only then begin to bear fruit outside of prayer. St. Therese, the great doctor of the church, who we're going to talk about a lot during our time together, she said in prayer she never really heard anything. But it was outside of prayer that she was able to see certain inspirations, the way the Lord spoke to her through certain situations. But she had become sort of tuned into it because of her time in prayer. And those graces spilled out once she was out in the world and doing her activity, active administering to others in Carmel. Father Jacques Philippe, who I love to quote and has so many wonderful books, including Searching for and Maintaining Peace, Interior Freedom. He has this wonderful quote where he says, the spiritual life is not so much about doing as letting be done. Letting God act in us, work through us. To allow him to give us things that we have to be there willing to receive but we want to hold on to so many things that we can't open our hands to allow the Lord to love us. We're going to hide. We're going to be very fidgety and active so that we cannot be there and just to let the Lord love us and receive us. And third and finally, what is it that is at the core of this definition? It's love. 
that God essentially doesn't just want to give us gifts or give us grace. He wants to love us. He wants to give us his fatherly love as shown in Jesus, who is the greatest gift. And so that sort of counteracts the point that I said that prayer is fundamentally about meditation. It's not about thinking as much as it is about loving. It's not about the head as much as it is about the heart. In fact, we can get so trapped in our head that we use it as a defense to shut our heart off, to not allow ourselves to be loved by the Lord. Because prayer is at its essence that exchange of love between father and son or daughter, or Jesus who is our friend and who wants to give us his love, give us his life, and give us his friendship. We can study theology, we can read a book, all these things are very necessary, but they're not necessarily prayer. They're not sitting there and allowing the Lord to love us. Now, he's not gonna say if we show up reading a book or, or doing our own journaling, oh, I'm not gonna be there for you. No, he's gonna receive us as we are. He wants us to come to him. He desires that we be in his presence in order that he can love us. And so it's very, very simple. If we are too busy giving things, if we're too busy being active and checking things off our list and trying to achieve goals, then we're not having that disposition of receptivity to allow the Lord to love us, particularly if we are trapped in our heads because we do not want to leave our hearts vulnerable to receive the love and the grace from God. So, letting yourself be loved by God is more about being than about doing, more about receiving than giving, and more about loving than thinking. So if this is true, we can understand this, what is our problem? Why is it that we find it so difficult besides the cultural factors and things we discussed already, to allow the Lord to love us, to allow ourselves to be loved by God. And I think we can look at a couple of reasons for this. The first is this, is that it's our concept, our understanding of who God is. We often, even though we say the Our Father, we don't really understand or believe that God is a loving father. He is often a just judge. They're waiting for us to fall, marking out every little mistake that we do and waiting to catch us and say, how dare you do that? Looking to punish us. Now, where we get this idea from, maybe it's from focusing too much on the Old Testament, maybe it's from our family of origins and wounds that we had from our own parents or the lack thereof. But that's not who God is. That's not who Christ revealed the Father to be. Instead of a loving Father, who not only loves us as his beloved sons and daughters, but is proud of us and wants to spend time with us. And this is a real unique thing. We can want to spend time with God, but more importantly, he wants to spend time with us. He wants to love us. He wants to receive us. He wants to embrace us. He not only loves us, 
but he actually also likes us. This is something that I've been reflecting on lately as a result of different spiritual direction discussions. The people say, well, Father, I can understand God loving me. He has to love me, but he doesn't necessarily like me. In fact, I kind of think that I bother God with all of my prayers or showing up to spend time with him. Not at all. The Lord, like a good father, delights to be with his children and looks forward to every time we come into church to be able to spend time with him. Now, if we want to focus on the Eucharist, where Christ, of course, reveals to us the love of the Father, we've got to understand that Jesus isn't some distant Savior, but he's our friend. And he, like another friend or any other friend that we have in our own lives, loves to spend time with those friends that he has. And Jesus has called us all friends. Most of the time when the apostles were with Jesus, they weren't doing anything. They were just staying with the Lord. And so our prayer can be simply that, showing up and saying, Lord, I want to spend some time with you. And when we spend time with a friend, we don't have a checklist saying, okay, well, I need to achieve these certain goals in the time we spend together. Do we evaluate the time we spend with our friends and saying this was an optimal friend time? No. What makes it enjoyable is just the presence of the friend, of being there in his or her presence. Quite often, if you're really, really good friends, you don't even need to say anything. You can just be with each other. You're watching television, drinking a glass of wine, or just sitting with each other. The same thing in prayer. If the Lord is truly our friend, we shouldn't be going to prayer judging whether it was a good prayer time or bad prayer time. It was good prayer time because we showed up and the Lord was happy to receive us and spend some time with us because we are truly his friends and he loves us. He looks forward to seeing us. We come into the church, even if it's for five minutes. He'd love to spend a lot more time with us. He's got plenty of time on his hand. He got nothing else to do. Particularly now, you don't have much else to do. Now granted, when we go to church, we wanna make sure that we keep six feet away from each other. But we believe that the Lord is there close to us in our minds and in our hearts, there in the tabernacle, waiting for us to come to show us his love and to reveal the paternal love of God the Father. We've got to be able to get beyond this false idea of who God is and who Jesus is and to enter into deeply a knowledge of him as father and as friend. Now, how we do that, we're going to talk about that a little bit tomorrow. But still, essentially, if we're going to let ourselves be loved by God, we've got to believe that God likes us, that he loves us, that he wants to show us his love, a love that can transform us. Because, as we'll also see, the more time we spend with him in prayer, in that deep, intimate prayer, the more he can transform our minds and transform our hearts and, and, and make us solid in our identity. That we know he loves us, even though we may not feel things, even though we may feel all out of sorts, we know that he waits for us and wants us to be with him. Particularly when we are feeling the most 
unlovable. And that's the second real issue that makes it very difficult for us to enter into the essence of prayer. The first one being is our concept of God and not necessarily really understanding him as a friend or a loving father. But the second side is rooted in us. Us in the fact that so often we feel that we're unworthy, that we are unlovable. Why would God want to spend time with us? Or even worse, because of our sin and our fallenness and our weakness, we feel that we need to hide make sure that the Lord doesn't see us and the shame that tends to cover us, not guilt for our sin, but shame for who we are. And this feeling of being unlikable and unlovable can have many different roots. Again, as I mentioned before, a lot of it can come to, from our family of origins. It can come from abuse that we endured. It can come from lies that we tell ourselves that we're not worthy of being loved. Or whenever the sin comes, whenever we fall, instead of running closer to the Lord, we're so worried that he's going to punish us, so worried that he's going to wag his finger at us, that we go further away from him. But this is the exact opposite. Christ has come to teach us of the loving Father, the one who desires to show us merciful love in all things. He wants to be with us. He wants to love us as his children and as friends so close to his heart. But if we are feeling so terrible about ourselves, we're going to run in the other direction and we're going to alienate ourselves. And this is not what the Lord wants. We could be like the prodigal son before he returns, where he's out there in his sin away from the Father, maybe doubting his mercy. Or we can be like the older son, refuses to go into the house because he's angry at the Father. The truth is he's really angry at himself because he has this false concept of who God is, that somehow he has to earn God's love. But that's the key. We don't have to earn God's love. Even when we sin, the Lord does not turn his face away from us. He's there looking at us with that loving gaze because the Lord loves us for who we are, not because of what we do or in spite of what we've done. There's no way we can earn the Lord's love, that we can do something to impress him. But so often that's what our spiritual life is. We're trying to win the Lord's love. We're trying to cover up our sin and pretend to be something that we're not and to put on a persona, but we realize that the Lord sees through that. He knows who we are. He knows we're weak. He knows we're sinful, and he wants to show us his mercy and love, but all we have to do is ask for it, to go there and say, Lord, I feel terrible today. I'm a sinner. I'm weak. I'm distracted. I'm not living my life as I should. And to be able to just sit there in that and allow the Lord to love us and allow the Lord to make a home in our heart. One of my favorite quotes from St. Therese of Lisieux talks exactly about this. You know, St. Therese talks about the little way, and so often we think, well, the little way is about doing small things with great love. That's absolutely true. But it's not really what it is. It's an aspect of it, 
but it's something much deeper. The little way is the way of spiritual childhood, of realizing that we are weak, that we are sinful, that we're not perfect, that we're going to make mistakes, but the Lord loves us anyway. And instead of running in the opposite direction, we run towards Christ. We run towards the Father and allow his loving mercy to heal us and to transform us. So I'm going to give a quote. It's a rather long quote from St. Therese, but it gets to the core of what I'm trying to say about our own sense of being loved or lovable by the Father. She says, of course, we should like never to fail. Okay, I'm looking for it. What an illusion. What does it matter if I fall at every moment? And that way I realize my weakness and the gain is considerable. If you are willing to bear in peace the trial of not being pleased with yourself, you will be offering the divine master a home in your heart. Let me repeat that because that's the core phrase. If you are willing to bear in peace the trial of not being pleased with yourself, you will be offering the divine master a home in your heart. It is true that you will suffer because you will be like a stranger to your own house. But do not be afraid. The poorer you are, the more Jesus will love you. I know that he is better pleased to see you stumbling in the night upon a stony road than walking in the full light of day upon a path carpeted with flowers because these flowers might delay your advance. And so Therese is saying that it's particularly when we're the poorest, when we're the smallest, when we're the weakest, when we feel we want the Lord far away from us is when he desires to draw near to us. Imagine that you are a kid and you've done something dumb and maybe cut yourself or burnt yourself. You're scared of your parent to come and reprimand you. But what does the parent want to do? Not reprimand you, but pick you up and console you and heal you. It's exactly during these times when we feel the most unlovable, either because of what we've done or because of what was done to us or because of the shame or because of the guilt that we need to go to prayer, that we need to go to the Lord and allow ourselves to be loved by him. He is not there to judge, but instead to forgive and to show mercy. He understands your mind. He understands your heart. He understands how weak we all are. And so no matter what we're experiencing, when we feel the most unworthy, the most distracted, that is the specific time to go and spend time with Jesus. Think of it. The time that maybe you spent with a friend of yours, where you were all over the place, you were feeling terrible, you were stressed, you were not in a good mood, your, your family was driving you crazy, your friends were aggravating you, is your friend said, oh wait, stop. You can only talk to me if you're perfect and pristine. Because you're like this, because you're feeling guilty or ashamed or distracted, I, I can't visit with you. No friend would do that. In fact, the friend would want you to come and to spend time. You may think you're a burden. You may think you're going to annoy your friend, but that's simply not the case. Those are lies that we tell ourselves. And so if a friend is willing to receive us, then imagine how much Jesus is willing to receive us. 
how much the Father is willing to receive us when we are the weakest. And that's the key. This is the real key, and so I'm going to try to wrap it up here a little bit, to letting ourselves be loved by God. If we truly believe that God is our Father, then we are adopted sons and daughters. We are His children. Even if we're adults, we are a child of God. He loves us. He's proud of us. And as we grow older, like a parent wants to often do with his child, he wants to spend time. He's friends with us. He desires to be with us. We have to realize our own identity as children because it is the child, particularly the small child, that allows himself to be loved by the Father. Probably the most beautiful image of prayer that I could give to you ever seen is of an image of a father in his arms holding his little bitty baby. And he's looking at the child, and the child is looking back at the father and smiling. It's the child living under the gaze of the father, allowing himself to be loved. The child has zero to give to the father. The only thing the child can give to the father is a dirty diaper. All that child can do is receive. And the child's brain is not fully developed. He's not thinking, oh, this is my dad. He has a beard. He's very strong. No, he's just allowing himself to receive the love that the father gives to him. And all that child is simply being. He's not doing anything. He's not achieving. <coughs> he's not trying to win the love of the father. He's allowing himself to be loved, to be embraced, to be cherished, even when he's crying, even when he's pooping on himself, even when he's in a bad mood, the father still loves and is willing to embrace and hold that child. This is the perfect image of prayer, of not only the Lord's attitude towards us, but what our attitude towards him ought to be. One of being, of receptivity, and of loving. Because the more that we allow the Lord to do this, the more that we spend time not having to achieve things, quite often just in silence, just being with the one who loves us. Even if we are uncomfortable with who we are, then the Lord is going to begin to change us. We're going to begin to see a transformation. And that's what we're going to talk about on our last night. Now, you say, Father, this is all very, very beautiful. This is wonderful. But how do we do it? How do we learn to allow ourselves to be loved by God? Well, that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Or at least that's what I'm going to talk about to you on the camera and to this big empty church. Hopefully the, the angels and the saints are listening. We understand what prayer is now. It is letting ourselves be loved by God in its very, very essence. And we're going to cultivate that attitude. But how do we learn to do that? Because really it is, it's much easier said than done. There can be a lot of obstacles that we put up or that maybe have been put up in our place, the things that were done to us, that make it very difficult. We put walls up. We push the Lord away. We push others away. We do not allow them to love us. 
So that's what we're going to do tomorrow night. We're going to look at how we can learn to allow ourselves to be loved by God. And I'm going to do my best to be as practical as I possibly can. And then the third night, we're going to look at what does it look like to live in that. A person who really prays, a person who allows the Lord to love them, is not interested in pressing God or not interested in doing a bunch of stuff, but just receiving the love and being with the Lord in silence. What does that person look like? What is his life like as an incentive for us to be able to be drawn more deeply into the mystery of prayer? And so this is what I'd like you to do for your homework. I always like to give people homework towards the end of a retreat. Because I wanted you to take some time, first of all, to look at the definition. Letting yourself be loved by God. And examining your own prayer. In your own prayer, are you more interested in doing than being, in giving than receiving, and in thinking than in loving? And sort of make sort of an examination of conscience and to be able to sort of enter more deeply into that and say, yeah, Lord, I need to go deeper in prayer and this is where I'm struggling. Also, second, to begin looking at our own concept of God. Who do we see God as? Is he a loving father? Is Jesus as a friend? Or do we see him as a tyrant or some sort of distant force out in the universe? And to realize we may need to have our own concept of who God is purified in our minds and hearts. And then, looking at our own selves, do we know who we are as beloved sons and daughters? Or do we live in shame? Do we feel that we're unloved and unlovable? Do we think that our sin and our distraction and our weakness somehow alienate us from God where he doesn't want to be with us? These are the elements both in our mind and in our heart and in our prayer that may call for a deeper conversion. And then finally, to make the meditation that I talked about today, is imagining yourself, and I encourage you, to sit in a quiet place. It could be in church, it could be at your own house, and imagine yourself as a child in the Father's arm or on the Father's lap. You could even imagine that he's in a rocking chair, rocking back and forth, as a father will often do with a child to put that child to sleep. The child feels safe in the father's arm. He feels love. He doesn't have to do anything. And spend some time not just meditating on it, but maybe really trying to enter into that mystery and just imagining yourself as that child there rocking and being present in the father's arm. Form, particularly as the Father may look at you and you look back at the Lord. Or if you preferred, imagine yourself spending some time with Jesus. Just two friends, not having to do anything, just simply enjoying each other's company. The way the Lord is looking at you, the way he delights to be with you and in your presence. And allow that experience and prayer of being in the Lord, with the Lord to begin to transform our hearts as we prepare for tomorrow when we look more practically at how we can learn to let ourselves be loved by God in prayer. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. If you're tuning into the live feed or those who'll be watching it a little bit later on, uh, it's been a pleasure being with you. I hope I've done a good enough job um, looking at the camera. 
think I landed the plane fairly well. Didn't have any good Cajun jokes like Father Champagne. I generally don't, nor do I have a big beard like Father Champagne. But I think I did a decent job of kind of going with the flow and seeing where the Spirit led. I hope I was able to speak to your hearts during this Lenten mission. I hope to see everybody back tomorrow, whether it be on Vimeo or Facebook Live at 7 p.m. We'll close with a blessing. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace.